what are kids really thinking and feeling? Sometimes it's hard to know, but this podcast can offer some clues. Welcome to Dear Highlights. The many letters and emails kids send to Highlights Magazine help us keep our finger on the pulse of kids. We think they can also help you. So each week on this podcast, we share a few messages kids sent to us, and we discuss them with a parenting expert. Lean in and listen to learn what kids want their grown-ups to know about being a kid today. I'm Christine French-Cully, and you're listening to Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights, I have a problem with controlling my temper. Your at night. In our decades-long practice of answering every letter we receive from kids, we've heard from many children who, for various reasons, are going through a period of feeling anxious, stressed, or troubled. Not surprisingly, this year we've seen an uptick in letters from kids who are having trouble thinking optimistically. The pandemic created a lot of worry and stress, not just for adults, but also for kids. And many of them have written to us about their feelings. In this episode of Dear Highlights, I'll share a few of these letters as part of our conversation about how we can nurture optimism in kids. My guest today is Dr. Michelle Borba, and I am feeling exceptionally optimistic about today's conversation because Dr. Borba is one of the most positive, upbeat, energetic persons I think I have ever met. Dr. Borba is an internationally known educational psychologist, best-selling author, and expert on helping kids to not only strive, but also to thrive. In fact, that's the title of her latest parenting book, Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle. You can learn more about her work by checking out our show notes. Dr. Borba, welcome to our podcast. I am so delighted that you are here. Oh, I am so delighted to be here. I am the fan club president for Highlights. Aw, we worked together several years ago on a Highlights project, and it was such a joy. So I am so glad we have a chance to collaborate again. Oh, me too. Well, this is going to be such an important conversation. And I'd like to begin with hearing what a couple kids have said about their struggles. So 10-year-old Ava from Washington State said this to us in a letter. She wrote, Dear Highlights, my issue is that every time someone in my family gets sick or gets COVID-related symptoms, I worry that they have coronavirus and they might have to go to the hospital. What can I do to calm down a bit? And then 11-year-old Isabel wrote to us and she said, Hi, my favorite colors are blue and yellow. I live in Minnesota. So my question is how to deal with anxiety, stress, and nervousness in these times. Now, that's just an excerpt from Isabella's letter, and I can't resist telling you that at the very end of her longish letter, she said, P.S., I forgot to tell you that I love pineapple. (laughs) And I I just love that she shared a few fun facts like that about herself. And I see it as a little positivity, a little optimism bubbling up. Thankfully, she's not all about her anxiety, stress, and nervousness, but she is clearly asking for a little help on managing those emotions. So Dr. Borba, I know you have lots to say about how we can help kids like Ava and Isabel feel more optimistic. And maybe we can just start by defining optimism. Oh, a sense of a silver lining. There's a sense of hope out there. And it doesn't mean that they're Pollyannas. 
that they don't have a realistic base, that there is some troubling times, but they're not doomed by it. A thriver is a kid who says, I got this, or I'll find a way through. And it's usually because they have two things going for them. These are probably the most two most important things for a parent to know. The first is all of the science says they have a, a parent in their life or a grandparent or a teacher who has that, I, I'm with you. They're a caring champion who refuses to give up on the child. And so that just gives them a sense of security and trust. And they love me no matter what. But the second thing that's fascinating that both of, your, of those children said is that they have protective factors. They have some coping skills that when push comes to shove or the bump comes in the road, they go, I got this because this is what I can do instead. And both of those kids said, that's what I need. So that's what we've got to give them. And this is the moment to say, there are dozens of ways we can do it, but let's find some simple little things to help those kids and any other child know that they can cope by giving them actual skills that they can use. So, you know, I think sometimes when we talk about optimism, um, people think that it's a a, a personality trait, you know, a a sanguine personality, Sunny. You know, this person tends when life gives you lemons, they make lemonade. Um, But you're saying that it's a trait that can be learned. Yes. Yeah. I think the most important thing that we as a group of parents need to know is that resilience, the ability to thrive, is not locked into a child's DNA or their temperament. I've got three sons. They're as different as night and day. It's like Russian roulette on what you get. But each kid has the ability to learn some skills. What we've got to do, and what's this is actually what kids told me, is you got to give us a repertoire of stuff. So we got to figure out what works for us because each child is different. And once you know that, oh my gosh, that's the greatest tool to be able to realize as a parent find what works. So for instance, you've got that one child who definitely said, I I just, I'm worrying so much. What can I do? The first thing is always give them a voice, allow them to share their grief, their concerns without Mm -hmm. judging them or trying to talk them out of it because the fear or the grief is real. But the first thing is they need to have that caring champion to come and tell you, I'm really worried or I'm really feeling sad. The second thing is talk naturally feelings in your own home because those feelings, I'm sad or I'm frustrated or I'm angry or I'm upset or I'm happy or I'm joyous or whatever, I'm stressed, or actually the gateway to help your child learn optimism. Once they can verbalize those feelings, then it's gonna take a while they'll be more likely to come to you. How do you verbalize them? Watch the movie Inside Out. That's a gold mine. Read wonderful children's literature selection for little ones when Sally gets mad, really, really mad. Or it could be a wonder, that, that wonderful book, Wonder for an Upper Grade Child, to be able to just pull the words out. How would you feel if that happened to you? What would you need in order to feel better? Those are the two beginning benchmarks to helping your children learn optimism. The third one is really kind of easy, and that is realizing you're a powerful parent because you're a model. What Mm -hmm. uh, Navy SEALs told me that they use is they come up with a statement that can counter the pessimism, because when pessimism rides, it's going to just erode all of optimism. Uh, And it can become not just temporary, but permanent. So what they do is they come up with one statement, like I got this, or I'll get through it, or it's gonna be okay. You can do the same thing in your family. We got this, it'll be okay, we'll get through it. And if you keep modeling as the parent, pretty soon your 
outer voice becomes your child's inner voice. So they'll be able to say, I got this. I'll get through it. It'll be okay. And that's the beginning tips that you can use to help counter that pessimism. Wow. There's so much good stuff in that. Uh, You know, I think it is so important for parents to, to create the kind of environment at home where kids do feel like they can um, you know, share their thoughts and feelings openly. And sometimes you have to, parents have to be very intentional about creating that environment. So those are some great ways to, uh, to do it. I think that's why kids write to us sometimes because they're not sure how to broach the subject at home or they don't want to worry their parents by sharing their worries with their parents. Uh, and, and some kids just find it easier to write their feelings. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to say yes, yes, yes. When I was writing Thrivers, I interviewed 100 kids because I wanted their voice. And I find that kids, when I interview them, actually feel safer and more open because they know that yes. I'm going to change their name, just like they would write to highlights. Yes. You will change their name. You're safe to be able to share. But they all said they needed that voice. But the number one thing that kept coming up was just exactly what you said. I don't want to disappoint my parents. Yeah. So let them know. Yeah. Yeah. You love them no matter what is the first message that he's got to keep coming through or thank you for telling me. I don't have that answer right now, but we're going to work on that together. Let's go find that answer. You don't always know what to say to a child. Oh my gosh, I'm going to think about that for a while. And then let's get back together and have another talk about this. That's so good, but I want to keep thinking so I can give you some ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea too, of having a family sort of mantra or, or tagline <laughs> or motto uh, to help kids get through. That's, that's really great. Really well, great. you had some other things that she said that I think there were so many wonderful things that children, when they write you, so many wonderful ones, um, they seem to know that they're stressed. Both of them admitted, here's the things that make me feel stressed. And that's so wonderful. But that's the first step. Once you have that identifying feelings and you have permission to share them and you've got this mantra around the house and you feel like mom and dad are always here for you, or you can always talk to grandma or great aunt Sally. The the next thing is identifying what makes you feel a little stressed or what makes you feel a little worried. And when kids know that, they're more likely to be able to put the calm down strategies that we can teach later to a child. But it may be now walking around the house and saying, I noticed, I noticed that right before you go to turn that Zoom on, your hands go in a little fist, looks like you're a little stressed. Or I noticed that right when your friend calls you, maybe it's not the friend or you feel like you've been bullied, you your little feet go up and down. Or right when you do that math assignment, you start grinding your teeth, What you're doing is actually pointing out and tell your child, your body is pointing out some, giving you some signs. They're warning signs that tell you you're stressed. And if you listen to those signs, you're going to be able to use some strategies that you and I will work on together to calm yourself down. So maybe that's the next thing. Walk around the house and point them out as a family, not just the one kid who's always getting stressed, but all family members who are getting stressed, mom, dad, everyone. And then you'll have permission to share, here's my stress signs. Yeah, yeah. It's so empowering for kids to learn how to manage it themselves and so necessary. Um, it reminds me of a, a poem a child sent to us. And, and often, you know, instead of a letter, kids will put their feelings in a poem. And we treat those poems um, as if kids had written us a letter. 
uh, if it's about something serious. We think it's a way that they're sharing some of their anxieties or their concerns. And Josh, who was nine years old, um, wrote this great poem called Afraid. And he said, when you are afraid, your body shakes, your heart pounds faster. Sometimes you cry, you want to hide, you want to run away. You go to your mom so she can hug you and tell you everything will be okay. And, <laughs> and Oh my gosh, Joshua, <laughs> what an amazingly wonderful child because what he did is what so many, even adults don't recognize. He knew those warning signs and he knew exactly what to do. Go run to mom and get a hug. Oh gosh, Joshua, how wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that poem. Um, and then, uh, you know, you touched on this a little bit about parents being role models. I mean, kids are, are sponges. And I think we forget sometimes that kids are watching us even when we maybe prefer that they wouldn't be. And so much is, we say, caught rather than taught so much of what we kids learn. Uh, you know, what are some signs that parents should watch for in themselves? I mean, they too need to know what their triggers are and to know when they're showing symptoms of their own stress and anxiety, right? anxiety, right? I am so glad you mentioned this because the first step to helping our children be calm is we need to be calm. I mean, resilient parents raise resilient kids. They catch our fears, they catch our worries. And right now we're so worried about uh, just COVID because and on so many levels, we're seeing a spike in mental health problems that is just unprecedented. But we also are seeing a spike in adult mental health problems that's unprecedented. And unless we figure out a way to reduce that stress, it does spill over to our kids. That's why the first step to all of this is push the pause button on your parenting and say, what I need to do is intentionally intentionally put a post-it note on your mirror to keep reading it. I am intentionally going to spot my own stress signs. Ask your kid what your stress signs are. They're always nail them. Right before you get mad, mom, you do that weird thing with your eyes that my kids would tell me. They may not have known their signs, but they knew theirs. And ours. The thing about this is once you know them, then I think one of the simplest things you can do is because you're now acknowledging stress as a family is create a calm down signal a quiet, nonverbal calm down signal that means I need space. And the simplest one is it could be pulling your ear or it could be tapping your nose or it could be like an umpire signal with your hands straight out. That means mommy needs space for just a minute. But you may also use that signal to tell me you need space or daddy can use it. It just is a moment to get yourself into gear, to be able to take that slow, deep breath or walk away. Because so often we can't rewind when we get into that verbal battle or we start saying things that we resent. We don't want to say those to our children and it'll restore mm -hmm. your whole family. You can also do another thing. When you go to the emergency room, the first thing the doctor asks your child is, show me on a scale of one to seven how bad the pain is. And your child gives you a signal with their fingers, like I'm a zero, which means I could be asleep right now. I just feel so good. Or a seven is I'm a volcano about ready to erupt. That's a cool thing you could also do as a family. Show me how bad it is or how stressed you are so you can at least acknowledge each other and then you can work on it. You know, a lot of families use mindfulness or meditation practices. Uh, it's not for everybody, but um, do you have any thoughts about that approach as well? 
I was working on army bases and the commander said, you should go talk to the Navy SEALs because we're retraining them, the most elite forces in the world who are overcoming some pretty darn tough obstacles. They said, when I asked them, okay, what are you doing differently? They said three things. And they're the same three things we just said, just except one. The first thing is we identify our stress signs. We spend hours and hours pointing them out to each other, pointing them out to ourselves. When the minute the stress builds, we come out with a statement to ourselves, like calm down or chill out. They laughed and said, I know that sounds touchy-feely. But it's powerful because it's the best way to to help arousal control. And then what we do is a one-two breath, which is kind of like mindfulness, but it's the fastest way to actually get relaxation to your to your brain. We take a slow, deep breath when we feel the stress, when we feel it coming, not the moment we're in meltdown or the exorcism, but the moment mm-hmm. it starts to come from deep in your in your abdomen. Like you're tell your kids, like you're riding up an elevator. Slow, deep, now hold it, and now slowly let it out. Keep thinking and focusing on the breath. It takes hours in practice to be able to do that and keep your mind on your breath, but the exhale needs to be twice as long as the inhale. That's a one-two breath. Do that a slow, deep times, and you can get a relaxation process that's unbelievable. For little kids... That's powerful, but you can do a couple of things to help them because they breathe a little too quickly. Get bubble blowers and you tell them, blow Uh the bubble away. See the meanie, meanie, see that bubble? That's your meanie. Blow it way far. No, no, no. Don't blow too fast. Blow real slowly so it becomes big and slowly go away. They begin to get the idea. I've been in classrooms where they put kids on the floor and what they do is they Each child takes a beanbag, like a froggy or a turtle, and they give froggy and turtle deep, slow breaths. Don't do it too fast. Don't breathe down fast. It scares froggy. Slow and deep. You're doing it with five-year-olds. The whole class was asleep in three minutes. I'm going, oh, this is powerful. (laughs) For a 10 and 11 and a 12-year-old, put a feather on a desk and tell them blow the feather real slowly, but don't let it jump. Blow slowly and deep. What happens is they start to get the idea of a deep, slow breath. Then the moment the stress builds, take the slow, deep breath. And it's going to be a powerful way as a family to keep your stress intact and your optimism and hope alive. Yeah, that's great. You made it sound very doable. Um, You know, I mean, I do think intentionality is required, but uh, parents don't have to really change their lifestyle or they don't really have to do a lot of big things. It's it's small things that they can do like that, that can make all the difference for their children, right? I love that. The term is small. And here's what we got to do as parents right now. I think this is a moment called the big parenting reset. We know that our kids are anxious. We know these are uncertain times. If not a pandemic, what's the next thing down the way? Are our kids prepared for the adversity? And small, simple, ordinary things can make extraordinary differences on our children's lives if their science back says resilience theory. And that's exactly what I tried to do when I was writing Thrivers. It's the small things. But notice what one more thing. Small Mm -hmm. things that are repeated. If you keep repeating them over and over and over, you said that before, and I want to just pass on and segue to that, Christine, because if they're small and repeated, they become, after a while, so practiced that the kids can do them without you. And that's the goal of good parenting anyway. And then what your child can do is when the adversity comes, 
Who knows when the adversity is going to come? You're not always there to bubble wrap them and you can't. And the best way we do know with resilient kids or thrivers, they're made, not born. They have agency. You alluded to that previously. They have control over their own lives because you taught them simple little things that keep repeating and they'll make a major difference. I got that, mom. I'll take that deep breath. I saw a three-year-old, Grayson. He said, I got this. I'm going to take the deep, slow breath. But his mother went, oh my gosh, he's doing it. That took me months for him to do that. But that's exactly what good parenting is. Yeah, consistency and, and perseverance. That's great. You know, there are some children who um, will still struggle despite all the yes. best efforts of yes. their parents. How would a parent know or what signs should a parent look for um, if they think their child might need professional help, that, it, that it's going to require more than you know some of these tactics we've been talking about? Nobody knows your child better than, than a parent. Nobody. And the second thing we've got to keep in mind is, is that parents, we love our children deeply and dearly and will do anything for them, eliminate the guilt. This is not something you caused here, but I use the two index, T-O-O. Take a moment and think about each of your kids because each one is different as night and day and watch each kid a little bit closer without them knowing you're watching. All (laughs) of a sudden, when you're seeing an unhealthy new behavior, every kid's gonna have a bad day, but is it lasting too long, T-O-O? like every day for at least two weeks? Is it starting to spill over into other areas? Great Aunt Hattie or uh, the teacher, the daycare worker, dad, somebody else is saying, I noticed something about the child. Your own red flags are up too much. You're going, something's different and I'm worried. Then pick up the phone and get help. There's phenomenal good references and resources out there. And if you don't get help with the first person who says, don't worry about it and your radar is too up, then keep on going until you do get the help you des- your child deserves and you know that your child needs. That's such good advice. This has been really terrific. You have given parents so many uh, really concrete ideas, things that they can try at home with their kids. Um, before we close, I'd like to ask you a question that we always ask in this podcast. It's a little bigger question. But, you know, it highlights one of our core beliefs is that, well, it is our fundamental core belief, is that children are the world's most important people. If we as a society really believed that, are there things that we would do differently or better to create an environment where these seeds of optimism we're trying to plant in kids can grow and thrive? Yes, 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 yes. I think the first most important thing that we've got to keep in mind is that our culture has been so test obsessed. It's all about the GPA. And yes, we want our kids to succeed in that classroom, but we've got to realize they need another set of skills that's different from knowledge. And it's the skills on how to cope and thrive with life. Those are teachable. Those are the seeds of resilience. You want a happy, healthy child? You want a kid who really is successful, who's a peak performer? Those are the skills they're going to need. And those are the ones we need to, I love that term intentionally, those are the ones we're going to intentionally weave in and say, ah, now from this moment on, I'm going to follow what science says. Use simple, little, everyday strategies and keep doing them till my kid can thrive someday without me. That's the seeds of good parenting. I love that. 
Thank you so much. You've been a wonderful guest. I'd like to invite you back. Oh, I'd love to come back. I love your mission. I love what you do and I adore you. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Michelle. We are honored to be able to elevate kids' voices and share with you some of what they share with us. Whether a child's concern is big or small, unique or universal, serious or sure to easily work itself out, it's real to the child and matters deeply. We've come to see that in every letter kids have sent to us over the years, there are implicit, overarching questions embedded within. Do you care? Am I loved? Do I have a place in the world? A place in the lives of the people I love? We hope kids believe us when we say in many more words, yes, yes, yes. Let's all lean in to give kids what they really need and want. More listening, more understanding, and more connecting. This podcast is an extension of the book, Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids. Publishing this August and available for pre-order now, everywhere books are sold. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to help us reach more grown-ups who care about kids. And if you'd like to send a comment or suggestion to me directly, please email me at christine at highlights.com. <laughs>